This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standom Live. I am your host, Mike Cicchini, and with me for all time and always, I have Denny Geek TV editor Alec Bajalin, Denny Geek News and Features editor Kirsten Howard, and once again, special guest. Like, this is becoming a habit. We're going to have to change that title soon. Pop culture writer, critic, and Denny Geek contributor, Joe George. And as you folks probably know, we are breaking down the season, possibly series finale of Moon Knight this week. Kirsty, why don't you start us off? Tell us what happened. This is the longest one ever, so <laughs> bear with me. In the finale of Marvel's Moon Knight, Arthur Harrow continues in his mission to raise Amit and let the world face her judgment. Layla initially responds by freeing Khonshu and rejecting an offer to become his new avatar before becoming the avatar of Tuwerit to help a revived Moon Knight thwart Harrow and Amit. Khonshu and Amit then have a bit of a kaiju battle while Mark, Stephen and Layla fight Harrow. When the chips are down, it's Mark hidden, Mark's hidden third identity, Jake Lockley, who violently comes to the rescue. Deciding to let Harrow live, despite the danger involved, Mark is freed from Conchu's debt, and Mark and Stephen return to London to live out their new symbiotic life together. Meanwhile, Conchu reveals that Jake has been his main man all along, and they track Harrow down to a psychiatric hospital, where Jake murders Harrow and Amit in cold blood, before driving off in a limo with a satisfied Conchu in the back seat. That is a long synopsis for a short episode that got a lot done. Uh, what did everybody think about this finale? You know what, Joe, I'm going to pick on you first because you have been our most staunch Moon Knight defender throughout this series. And I think uh, I think you're the one who's most likely to give the most fair opinion here. Oh, boy. Don't put all that on me. Um, it's not as bad as I feared it could be it was not nearly as good as I hoped it would be. Um, there are, I think overall, I'm still up on the episode. There are definitely things that I liked, um, but there were a lot of little disappointments with some of the storytelling leaps that they, or fudges really, that they did. The whole way that they did Jake's personality, especially in the climax was just an utter bummer. So largely I enjoyed it, but I, I, I am not as enthusiastic in the end as I was for the previous episodes. Kirsty, you're our uh, you're our Moon Knight expert. How did this uh, <laughs> Every how, how did this one sit with you? Um, if you can say that in like future episodes of the show, like when we do like <laughs> Hawkeye season two, just gonna say you're our Moon Knight expert. <laughs> <laughs> Look, folks, we've been on the air for like three minutes. Can you can you save your roasting of me until a little later? <laughs> show maybe alec can you restrain yourself a little bit please yeah no way <laughs> uh gosh what can, what can i say about this episode it was 
it was pretty much what I expected. Um, with some little flourishes that I enjoyed. I, I did like the uh, Kanshu and Amit kaiju battle. I thought that was pretty great. And actually quite liked Amit's look uh, as a whole. Uh, that worked for me. Uh, unlike Joe, I did quite like the uh, the Jake post credits scene. Uh, that worked fine for me, especially when he kicked the wheelchair. I just thought that was the funniest thing. I laughed out loud spontaneously, which is probably the first time in watching this show that that had happened. And considering there was a lot of, you know, funny stuff going on. Um, yeah, that was great. Um, but overall, it was quite messy. And yeah, I, th- I thought it was fine. It was fine. It was, it, you know, it wrapped things up. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. <clears throat> I think we all agree randomly that um, Oscar Isaac kicking the wheelchair is like our favorite moment in Marvel history. <laughs> yes. They're going to add it to the Marvel credits at the start, you know, where the, yes. it's, not gonna be, it's not going to be Iron Man snapping anymore. It's gonna be, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm hearing, the, I'm hearing the music in my head. <laughs> Oscar Isaac kicking a wheelchair in the M in Marvel. <laughs> Alec, my, my brother in Moon Knight hate, uh, how about you? Did this uh, did did this did this turn the tide for you at all? Um, no, and but I, I also have to be like honest and fair to Moon Knight. Like, uh, for me, a, a lot of um, a lot of times in the TV world, people like to use the phrase like you know, did it stick the landing? And as somebody who has been a TV nerd forever, like way before the streaming era, way before we binge stuff like back when we would watch things on a week, like, you know, 30 episodes of a season on a week to week basis. Um, everybody kind of had an implicit understanding that the journey was the important thing more so than the ending. So uh, with that in mind, like there's not really anything that Moon Knight could have done to have won me back in this finale. Um, so having an expectation going in that it could have done absolutely anything to have made this journey worthwhile was kind of a losing battle um i will say it did it it did give me a little bit more than what previous episodes have at least like i humbly requested spectacle last week and i think it's fair to say that it delivered a spectacle with an egyptian god kaiju battle um but no for the most parts the same issues persist where things just like kind of happen on this show like it just feels it's there's so many elements at play but it feels that so few of them actually matter or actually entertaining or fun to watch. Uh, This may have ultimately been my least favorite or second least favorite MCU show only with only uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier also in the discussion. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. It sucks. I think you're high if you think this show is better than Falcon and Winter Soldier, which was admittedly messy, but like... I'm with you. This was, there was nothing this show could have done at this point after those previous five episodes. I will say this episode looked great. Like I know we gave a lot of the CGI a hard time in earlier episodes. Um, Like the Kaiju battle looked great. You know what I mean? There were a couple of memorable visuals. Like, like I thought 
Like, at least I knew where the budget went in this episode. Layla's transformation was awesome and a really just great hell yeah moment for the series overall. You know, that's something that has nothing to do with the comics. And like, it was just something that, you know, looked great and was really well executed. So there were moments, but it wasn't it wasn't enough to save this show. And I still find myself asking the same question that we were asking last week, which is, what is this show about? Like, like what, who are we supposed to care about at the end of this show? Like, like, what does this do? Like, do, do we want more time with these characters? You know, like, like, does this affect the MCU as a whole? Like, it kind of fails as a standalone show and it fails as an MCU entry. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm too tired to even get mad at it anymore. But it's a shame. It really is. There's just, there was so much potential here, you know, even taking into account that this was a very, very different Moon Knight story than I think any of us expected. Like, I think the same story could have been told in 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 better, more cohesive ways than what we got. And I'm just, I'm not mad at you, Moon Knight. I'm just disappointed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know where to go from there. I do want to focus on the positive. So I just want to kick it back to Layla again, because as far as I'm concerned, Layla was the best thing about this show. I'll talk with you about Layla. I'll join you on, um, I, I almost feel bad. Um, well, no, I, I don't feel bad because I have no shame or, or any sort of conscious whatsoever. Um, but I almost feel bad for saying that she was one of my least favorite parts of the show in the first couple episodes, because by series end, I think she's the most interesting thing on screen. Um, and that that might speak more to how confused the show was in dealing with Moon Knight and how the lack of coherence and how they presented him than it does to like Layla being great. However, I, I did, by this episode, I found myself much happier when she was on screen than just about anybody else. Also, maybe my favorite moment of the series is after she gets Tower-ified. And I don't know what we're calling her in her, like, super heroic version, um, but just kind of like a random Cairo citizen asks, like, are you, an Egypt are you the Egyptian superhero? And she just responds immediately, like, I am. Um, and I like that, because I, 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 that's, that's cool. And I, it's also cool when, like, if you think about the geopolitical makeup of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there are like 150 American superheroes, and then like, <laughs> who knows what's going on in the rest of the world. And I, I, I feel like that small moment just kind of captured a nice sense of like, hope and exaltation from like, Northern Africans, like, oh God, thank God we got one. Like 400 of us just had our, our purple souls ripped out of our body, and we have no idea why. But here's this Egyptian woman come to save the day. That was cool. I like Layla. I'll, I'll give the show that for sure. Yeah, and it's fun that she's not, there's no comic book precedent for that particular character. So it feels like the MCU going in its own direction, kind of being its own separate thing. And I agree with Alec that that, that was a, you know, a Superman type moment of a affirming superhero, yes, I am sort of thing that, that uh, felt earned and I was extremely happy to see, you know, there is the chance that there, in the comics, there is a surprisingly amount, a large amount of Egyptian based superheroes and villains, you know, maybe we'll get Oscar Isaac back as apocalypse once the uh, X-Men end up in the MCU. And so they can, they can fight each other again, but yeah, I'm with you that she was great. She's the breakout character. I hope that she gets her own series or at least more attention later on. Um, even if we never see, Mark and Stephen again. I'll talk about this a bit more later, but 
I think the show has been at his best when it's moved away from the comics. Or I can talk about it now. Should we just do it now? I just feel like I just want to get it off my chest. Like, I find it tricky to watch the show as a fan of Moon Knight for several reasons. One, the comics did a much better job of making Moon Knight cool than this show did. That's just a fact. And in this case, it feels like cool is better than silly. A lot of the story in the show as well was both visualised and told better in the comics. And I've had some comments like, well, you should be able to enjoy an adaptation of a book without comparing it to the book. Um, but when the original medium is already visual because comics, I, th I think that's a bit harder. Um, and on stand-up, whenever Mike's turned the conversation over to me as the Moon Knight expert, which we laugh at now, you'll notice that most of the time I end up talking about where the show and not the source material works and doesn't work for me. And I've done it for those reasons, because it's, it feels largely unfair to the show to compare it to the comics. But you know, as much as I've tried to avoid being like, this isn't as good as the comics. At this stage, perhaps I do expect MCU films and shows to improve on the comics they're adapting. Civil War is a much, much better film than it is a comic. Ragnarok doesn't slap because of the elements taken from Planet Hulk or whatever. Really, it's all the other stuff. Um, when the MCU moves away from being comics accurate in its stories, it arguably blossoms. So the parts of this show that moved away from the comics were the parts that hit me right, I think. The reimagining of Mark's backstory to explain how Stephen came to bleed into his life, the teasing of Jake as a more malevolent force, turning Marlene into Layla, and you know, what they did with, with Layla in this final episode was, all these things were great for me. And you know, Contu just simply works as a huge dick both on and off the page, but Overall, this show was just messy. Some things flew, others didn't. And I think we've talked about them all at length now. Yeah, I, look, I have to agree with all of that, except, you know, the changes to Moon Knight himself are so great, like, as to make this character almost unrecognizable. And in every other, this is the first time in the history of the MCU you know, I, I, I initially felt a little bit like this with Eternals and then I softened on Eternals. But like, you know, there have been bad Thor movies, right? There was there was a bad Iron Man movie, you know? Like personally, like I don't think Captain Marvel is a great movie. But in all those cases, the characters themselves, you say, okay, look, this wasn't a great outing for the character. Or this wasn't a great outing for the MCU. But the character itself is so well formed and is so compelling that I'm I want to see more of this character and I want to see more of this version of this character and I want to see more of this actor's vision of this character. Moon Knight is the first time in MCU history I can categorically say that I do not want that. Like and and you're right historically when the MCU deviates from the comics it's better and we're going to talk about this again on Friday uh when we do our Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness show right which is another like you know which bears very little resemblance to Marvel comics in general and it's great it's awesome but like Moon Knight to me feels like does anybody here all right 
So, some folks in the audience, and I know, I know Joe is going to know this. Joe's smirking like he knows what I'm about to say, and I'm wondering no what he does. I'm still like, smiling to think about Doctor Strange. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like when Marvel launched the Ultimate Comics universe and the initial mission statement of, of the Ultimate Comics was like, okay, we're going to streamline these characters, make them more palatable and sensible for new audiences. And it worked, and worked really well for a couple of years. And then they kind of ditched that mission statement and it just became the place where they just did stuff differently. And you got a whole bunch of like throwaway garbagey versions of characters because you had writers just going like, we're just gonna make this different. You know what I mean? That's that's MCU Mark Spector to me. Sorry. Yeah, I can't argue with that as, as much as, and in this, I, I, I take Alex's point about, and I appreciate his point about, um, the journey being the the enjoyment because I do I don't regret the previous five episodes I, I I kind of stand by what I said about them and enjoying Stephen and Mark and that kind of uh, from the, the hook for me that about a good man finding out he wasn't a good man um, and and when I talk about kind of my disappointment with the climax it comes down to the way that they sort of resolve that that you have at the very end there. Um, when when Mark is getting ready to kill Kanshu, it I, I don't see the connective tissue between what Mark learned from Stephen or even how Stephen is involved in that decision to not uh, to, to not kill uh, Haro rather I misspoke. Um, if the show was what it was for me at least up until this point, which is the whole question of is Stephen a good person? What do you do with this whole Mark identity? then that, that scene didn't pay that off at all. That just, that felt like we've got the end to Mark's arc, but he wasn't really the character that we were following, at least the first two episodes. He kind of came in late and was more of a shadow to Steven. And so giving that to him was, uh, I think, a real narrative problem. And, and, and I think I misspoke earlier too. My, I, I love the Jake um, post-credit sequence, what I had a problem was, was with using Jake to get out of a jam and having it happen completely off screen. Ooh, yeah. That we have a, how are we going to get out of this moment? And then we do the flash thing and then he's out of the moment. That was such a cheat. Like I understand in theory how you could make that work and be cool, but in execution, that was a real bummer. And again, took away from the things that really interested me in the character. So I, I would be up for another Moon Knight series. I would sit down and watch it, but I do not blame anybody who's coming at it like you are, Mike, where, where it's just like, I'm done with this character because I feel let down here at the end. And they used that cheat as well. And was it episode three where he killed Harry's henchman and mm-hmm. they cut away? So they didn't have to show the violence that uh, Jake is clearly capable of. And so it feels like... Okay, well, you've used that twice now. I don't love it, but I get it. This is a Disney Plus series and you've had to find a workaround. All right. But why are Mark and Steven not interested in uncovering the mystery of why they're blacking out and murdering people? Like, slaughtering. I... There's no resolution to that whatsoever. In fact, they just get on with their lives and don't seem interested in... They just leave it. Like, also, I find Kristen, it infuriating. You, you combine those two points of what Joe just said and what Kirsten just said. Like, uh, moments after they that 
an unknown personality just slaughtered a whole battalion of Harrowites. That's when Mark is like, you know what? I'm not going to kill Hera. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson. It's just like the internal logic just shifts so violently from scene to scene. And I think the most frustrated I have ever been at a Marvel property is when Mark says, like, I'm not going to kill Hero. And I don't have like a bloodlust. Like, I don't view, like, I, I don't, I'm not, like, I like it when my heroes learn silly little moral lessons. But like, the time has long passed for Hero to be dead. He, like at you they've killed dozens if not hundreds of people at this point i don't understand why harrow is a bridge too far especially considering this is not a line that mark by his own admission is averse to crossing in the first place you know so yeah like i just i just don't get it i don't understand i mean i know what they're trying to get at because five minutes before that we had mark deliver that absurdly saccharine line to steven about you were always my superpower like if this was a comic and i was reading that like you all ever hear people talk about wall bangers right like a comic that's so bad that like you know it, you fling it across the room and it hits the wall like like th that was a wall banger moment if this was on the printed page and so it's like yeah i get they're trying to they're, they're trying to bridge the gap here and then it is frustrating because the the promise of that post credit scene of Kanchu revealing like well actually this is why i chose this guy it's like great build the series around that <laughs> like that's the <laughs> Like that was that was genuinely cool. And that was like finally there was something for me to sink my hooks into because I still didn't fully understand in the previous five and a half hours why Conchu was particularly interested in any of these people, you know? Um I don't know. And I don't think I need my hand held. I think I you know, like I know sometimes like my ADHD gets the better the better of me and I kinda like can be a little flighty, but pretty sure I understand I understood like you know the the main beats of this show and I didn't get it. Joe did you feel that the post credit scene answered your question from last week when you were wondering why Jake would be created if Mark was already a bad person? Did the no. fact that he was <laughs> that Conchie was using him as a sort of yeah, no, no, they didn't do anything with Jake besides tease it out. I mean, and that's and that's the bummer there. If if they're going to set up, and I totally bought that that that, that Mark creates Stephen to preserve innocence, then why does Jake exist? And unless I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing what what Mike was just saying. We shouldn't do. Um, I'm trying to do the work of the show for it by connecting the dots that it, it didn't seem bothered. To connect no i have no idea why jake exists why where this other identity come from came from i have guesses but i shouldn't have this many wild guesses at this point of the show uh, uh why such a major thing exists and you know it wouldn't bother me like it wouldn't bother me if there were just the couple of hints toward there being a third personality like we got in the first five episodes and then at the very end you get the the stinger that there's a third personality but the again to bring him into the climax of the show and then not show that's that's that was just so lazy and so upsetting that that they 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 made him pushed him to the front like that only to not actually bother with him uh no no answer for that 
That's that, yeah, that is the most uh, aggravated I have ever seen Joe get, period, <laughs> let alone about this show. I feel guilty. I feel like I've corrupted you. No. I feel like I've been the voice of Conchu in your ear, and uh, I feel really bad now, and I'm going to have to go home and rethink my life after we finish recording today. Uh, I'm your avatar, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll take care of those guys on the Twitter for you. <laughs> yeah, let, let me jump in and scream real quick uh, before you scream um that like the having jake be like the post-credit sequence it just feels like such an abuse of the post-credit system like that really it, it feels like it's a big enough factor to understand everything that's going on in the series it deserves pre-credit treatment like let that be the final scene and then we'll move on to something even weirder for a post-credit and it also kind of hammers home how disconnected this is from the rest of the MCU, which is not necessarily a problem. Like, it could have still been good that way. Uh, but the fact that they kind of jettisoned something that should have conceivably been the climax of this whole episode and series to post-credit status, I feel like speaks to the fact that it's really disconnected and didn't really trust its own story that much. Uh, Code Monkey in the comments brings up something interesting, though, and he says, I I, I took Steven uh, not killing Harrow as just kind of like telling Conchu, you know, screw you, do it yourself, because it is a slippery slope, whereas, like, there's always going to be somebody else who deserves it, and I think that's fair. I, I do think that's fair, and I and I think, you know what, a, a reading like that is is probably the correct one and probably what the show's intent was. But it is frustrating given, um, you know, given the, the fill in the blanks moment that came right before it. So, yeah, I get it. Can I go back and defend the um, romance scene between Stephen and Mark? That when, Welcome when, to try. Sure. You're my superhero. I, that part totally worked for me. Uh, I love that because it did feel like all of a sudden this became a romance story. And I was waiting for him to say, you complete me at the end of it, you know, and and one of the things that kept me interested in this show is the sort of mental health element um, that and I do like the way that sort of resolved this idea that um, uh, Mark is not broken because of his mental state. He is not you know, somebody that needs to be sedated or fixed, um, that he's figured out how to be him with the way that his brain worked. And I got that in that scene. And, and I, I know you're always on, on iffy ground when you make something that some people interpret as a disease or something like that uh, into a superpower. You know, you don't want it to be like that last Predator movie, which handled that sort of issue terribly. But I, I, it genuinely, I found it genuinely moving when he said that you were my superpower because I, I buy that in the show um, that, yeah, the way that his brain works does have value and the way that his brain works and looks at things and interacts with the world differently um, has been an advantage for him that other people don't have. And so um, I'm, I'm fully in defense of, of that scene. See, now I feel bad again. Now I just, now I, now I just feel like a jerk again. You came here to rant angrily about Moon Knight. <laughs> And you've just and been thwarted every step of the way. I have you? been. And you know what? Maybe I deserve, maybe this is what I deserve. Like, that's fine. I'm prepared to accept it. I 
Yeah, like I, I, I agree with your conclusions and interpretations of that. Like I, I, I like that that's what the show is communicating. Um, I still feel like, again, the route they take to get there is just kind of perfunctory. I, I'm not 100% certain why Mark and Stephen have their come to Jesus moment. Like I can't pinpoint an exact moment in which Mark understands the value of having like a second personality as a buddy. I also don't understand the mechanics of why they're allowed to not be dead anymore. Like, is it just like anybody who achieves self-actualization in the Egyptian underworld is allowed to leave? Uh, it just feels weird <laughs> that like Mark and Stephen would be the first in the entire history of humanity. And like, it doesn't take a lot of work on a storytelling level to establish that. Like, you could have just had like Towerwet said in the previous episode, like, you know, if you find the scales of friendship <laughs> or whatever. Like, <laughs> like, um, but no, they literally he just like goes finds finds him in the dirt. They like clasp hands, and that's it. Death is defeated, baby. It's over. <laughs> like yeah, it just there's not a lot. There's not enough mechanics underneath the, the 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 feelings for it to work for me. I still can't believe that Ethan Hawke decided that this was the one. This was the role in the MCU that he was gonna. I'm gonna use the phrase again. Pop his cherry on or i just yeah i'm still very confused like he's great in everything don't get me wrong but this feels like quite a thankless villain role for him ultimately should have been dr strange <laughs> Ooh, i never thought of that but yeah, yeah. he uh, you know he what? always I my dream around on on cumberbatch's dr strange don't 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 make me yeah and 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 folks folks who've watched this show for a while know that i have not been the biggest fan of benedict's doctor strange and you will see on friday i have been converted like i have seen the light so it's not all it's not all negativity i promise uh you guys want to see what we look like happy (laughs) i could definitely come back for the doctor strange show (laughs) come back to twitch on friday same time (laughs) 2 p.m. <laughs> You're going to see some overjoyed people. I mean, maybe, maybe is. not me. Maybe I'm the wild card this time because I haven't <laughs> seen it true. yet. It's true. Kirsty may be taking my, uh, my curmudgeon yeah. role on Friday. Maybe I'll see we it shall tomorrow. See. Yeah, I'll see it tomorrow and maybe I'll hate it, but I think it's really unlikely. You know, I, I could get behind everything Joe said about, you know, about my wall banger moment there. You know, I guess if it, ended with Mark then kind of behaving like a whole person, you know, rather than continuing to play the split for laughs and like switching back and forth between the suits, like, you know, like you would when you're playing a Mega Man level or something like it was just, you know, like I, I did just, it just like, I don't get it. Like you can't, you can't, I don't know. Like I, I, it, it just feels like neither end of the character is served there you know but i don't know i'm belaboring the point i apologize jake is really the big ultimate reveal of the episode right um because mark and steven make peace but there's still jake floating around out there the fact that they end on jake means that like this is what showrunners consider to be the next hurdle for mark you know and thus the next evolution of the show you know where do we go from here well the first place we need to go is that layla's got to come back 
as a superhero. I know. Yes. She gets her own show or she shows, joins the Avengers or whatever she needs to do. We, that, at the very least, I think has to happen. And it does seem like the show's setting up for that they know what they've got there with with that actor and that character and it feels like they're definitely setting up for that so um that's first of all but i i mean again i'm still on board with 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 mark and steven so i would not mind a series that is mark and steven actually deciding to figure out what's going on with the fact that they black out and dead bodies are surrounding them and and, and we haven't really I mean, going into the show, I, I had hopes that this would be like a Daredevil Netflix sort of level of action and violence. We we got Hawkeye, but we still don't really have that much street level MCU stuff, you know? And that's such a huge part of the comics. So this could potentially be a, a street level character. I would, I would be okay with that. I would like to see that if they were to go forward, that's the thing I would most like to see is a a Jake and Steven or, or uh, Mark and Steven team up to deal with Jake sort of story while Jake takes down, you know, basically becomes the Punisher and is going around shooting various mobsters. That would be cool. I said this earlier, actually, that this is kind of uh, Marvel's way of uh, perhaps doing Punisher without the Punisher, because when we leave, you know, um, Moon Knight himself is a villain, right? A cold blooded murderer. Because that, I, I thought that's I'm struggling to make my point I'm really tired it's like almost 8 p.m here but you know at um at the end of the show Mark and Stephen go off and they think that they're free of Konshu so they're getting on with their lives as far as they know and clearly aren't interested in investigating the situation any further which is uh, very baffling but so where we leave Moon Knight is that he is a villain in in the MCU at this point, right? Because he's Jake Lockley and this version of Jake Lockley is dangerous and a killer. So yes, as Joe said, they can they can use him as almost a villain or a, a very strong anti-hero if they wanted to in the future. I don't think there should be a season two of this show though. Like I know before this started, I was like, yeah, there's loads to explore with Moon Knight. This could have loads of seasons. And now I'm like, no, yeah, I think we, we've done that now. Like, I'd like to see him perhaps interact with some teams, you know, some some darker teams in Phase 4 as they go on. Like, I'd like to see Moon Knight, maybe Blade, you know, Elsa Bloodstone, all those characters, a Black Knight, you know, Black Knight, maybe together. But I would not like to see a second season of this show transpire I don't think I don't know unless it was more like some of the comics where it was Moon Knight street level sort of detective weird stuff but I I just don't think Marvel are gonna do that if they were gonna do it they would have done it right because that's very cool yeah that's kind of where I'm at I think the only way the only way I want to see a season two of this show is if it's like a soft reboot and it's solely from the Jake Lockley perspective. And now it's like, you know, how do you then redeem and integrate Jake Lockley? But I'm not interested in more shtick of, you know, a character switching voices in the middle of a fight and everything else. Like I'm just, I'm just not here for it. Like I just, I just don't, you know, I think, I think they could do something with this, but it would basically require, you know, almost the soft reboot approach where 
yes, this all happened. Yes, we're not contradicting anything that came before, but it, it is such a completely different approach and we're not going to reference that stuff and just kind of hope for the best. You know, um, I'm pretty down on this. Like, you know, I, I thought, I'm not kidding. Like Iron Fist season two was almost a soft reboot. Like Iron Fist season two was just like, we're just gonna we're just gonna like gloss over everything from that tedious, awful first season. And it wasn't a great season of TV, but it was better. And you know what? It was better than Moon Knight season one. And uh, like, yeah, like they 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 would have to completely rethink this concept in order for me to want to spend more time in this world. But wouldn't you like to see a Jake Lockley Moon Knight on the Thunderbolts, for example? Hundred percent, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's how they get us. <laughs> like, <laughs> I spent like six weeks saying like, I would rather be stabbed in the chest a million times and watch one more second of the show. And then all it takes is just like one comic book concept. Cool. And like, okay. okay. <laughs> Look, I am what I am. I can't change who I am, Alec. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. Like, I, I think that sounds cool too. It's just fun. I mean, like I, maybe that's what the appeal of Marvel, I mean, it's lasted this long for a reason in print and in in film and now on television because it can adapt. Like new people come in, new ideas emerge. I don't think a soft reboot sounds that out of the realm of possibility for season two. We might get what we thought we were getting in season one, which is the more street level thing, like Joe said. Um, yeah, as it sits right now, I, I obviously currently have no desire to watch a second season of this show. However, it is not out of the realm of the possibility that they can make it work. Um, and we'll have to watch it, you know, <laughs> anyway, because it's our jobs. So might as well. Yeah. Bring on the Layla show. Um, definitely as the MCU starts building the Thunderbolts, which I'm, I'm absolutely convinced they're doing, like put Jake Lockley, you know, put the Jake Lockley Moon Knight in there. Um, you know, there's there's ways around this, but ultimately i just i just don't get it i just don't know what this show was about i don't know what you know i don't know i don't know what was supposed to be what was supposed to be happening here and uh it's a bummer it's a real bummer you know for me this is three of the last four major mcu projects like haven't done it for me and that's like the first that's the first time that's ever happened you know like there's never been a sustained stretch in the mcu where i've gone uh-oh you know what I mean? Like there's been, you know, the occasional movie that's just kind of like a clunker or whatever. But this is the first time where there have been multiple projects for me where I'm like, ooh, that was tough. Like I can't do that again. So fortunately, there is hope on the horizon. Uh, you know, Thor Love and Thunder looks amazing. And three out of four of us on this uh, on on this broadcast right now have already seen and are... Uh, wholeheartedly endorsing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, you know, and I think perhaps this is kind of what the MCU was truly building its empire for, so that it could have the occasional thing that is not universally beloved. Because I understand that uh, Alec and I being uh, particularly critical of this show, we are not in the majority. Like, fans love this show, and great! love what you love you know and uh i think this might 
be a sign of the overall health and longevity of the MCU and why the superhero media bubble isn't really in danger because there is a variety of tones and and approaches so that, you know, I didn't like this. It's not going to sour me on the MCU. Like, I'm still coming back for more, you know, because I know there's other adventures that are going to be more my speed. So, you know, I, there, there are positives to be had here. Plus, remember when Jake kicked that wheelchair? That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and Ooh. I did I did have to love that they that they snuck Bill Sienkiewicz's name into uh into the episode too, you know. It's one of the uh, I'm not sure I meant to do my homework on this right before the broadcast. So, folks may have noticed um the psychiatric ward that Jake uh busts Harrow out of before he, you know, busts him out of this plane of existence is uh is is uh, the Sienkiewicz Psychiatric Hospital, which is named, of course, for brilliant, you know, generational talent, Bill Sienkiewicz. Wow, look at Andrew, our producer, like <laughs> right on top of this. Like, and Bill Sienkiewicz is, of course, a brilliant generational talent. Um, and I think he might have been the first person to draw a Moon Knight story with Jake Lockley in it. And if that is the case, that's just like an Easter egg on top of an Easter egg and, and a real kind of gold star for that one with this show. So, you know, it's not, I just, I just love seeing comic creators getting their due. Uh, and I hope they're all getting paid. It's not like in Spider-Man No Way Home when you saw, was it Kirby's name on the wall? And no, you were it, was, like, it was the Ditko graffiti. Ditko, yeah. And you were like, he would not like that. No, he would not. Like, <laughs> Steve Ditko was like a conservative dude. And the idea that like they were using him for like graffiti tags. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Good Lord. Um, anyway, unless anybody has the final thoughts, I think this is it for not this week's Marvel standum today's Marvel standum because we're doing double duty this week folks that is it for Moon Knight it's over uh, but we are doing double duty as I said we will be back again on Friday May 6th we're doing a wild spoiler filled psychedelic breakdown of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness it's going to be fun make sure you see the movie before you watch the episode though because there are big spoilers to be had anyway Make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're listening right now. Don't forget to check out our web home at DennyGeek.com where you can find all our Marvel and Moon Knight and Doctor Strange coverage. Drop us a line. Let us know your burning questions. Uh, insult me as people have been doing all day on Twitter today. Uh, let us know what you want us to cover in upcoming episodes. Obviously, we're doing Doctor Strange this week. We're going to be doing a whole series on Ms. Marvel, which we're hyped for. But if there's specific bits of weird Marvel media you want us to dive into, let us know. We'll see if we can build an episode around it. We are at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram. So follow those. Send us your suggestions. We'll see if we can find some other surprises there. Don't forget, we also have a DC show. Make sure you're checking out DC Standom where you can on all major podcast platforms. And if you came in late. You'll be able to watch this entire episode on DennyGeek.com or at our YouTube home, DennyGeek US. Don't forget, you can also check out past episodes there. And also, stay with me, folks, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Joe, thank you once again for joining us. Folks, make sure you are reading Joe's stuff on DennyGeek.com. He is one of our most insightful writers. We love having him. We're lucky to have him. Thank you to our brilliant and patient producer, Andrew Halley, for making us look good. I mean it. Thank you to Denny Geek Social Media Coordinator, Lee Parm, for making sure you all behave yourselves. And special shout out to Michael R. for making the podcast version of this show all it can be. Most of all, thank each and every one of you for watching and listening and sending us your comments. It really means a lot. This has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Geek Network. Until next time, remember, folks, we stand together. Mmm.